when I was like five or something like that, I desperately wanted to be Elvis Presley. So like we listened to a lot of Elvis Presley. You know, my grandmother really introduced me to a lot of things as far as like music. She showed me Harry Connick Jr. And I, I mean, to this day, I still, you know, love his music. I, I love that kind of music. But I would say like, you know, growing up, probably what I heavily listen, I listen to hip hop a lot um, or, or rap music. And I also listen to like the, uh, even though it's not a genre, people call it emo music. <laughs> so I was like, I was very heavy into that, very heavy into the emotional, you know, lyrics of bands like Armor for Sleep and, you know, My Chemical Romance, A Day to Remember, just stuff like that. Anybody that would be on the Vans Warped Tour compilation CD, I was listening to them. For sure, mm. in depth too. I mean, like I was dissecting the lyrics. <laughs> um, huge lyrics guy, and that carried over to now. You know, I still I still do that, and I still go back and and listen to those bands. Yeah, still, I, especially Armor for Sleep. That was one of my all time favorite bands. But I also listened to um, early Fallout Boy as well. Was a huge fan of theirs. Early day from first to last, that kind of stuff. Hmm. with like screaming in it too (laughs) so like it's uh yeah so it's it it was a wide range but then you know like I also like classical music and and stuff like that and I was you know I was listening to I was listening to all, all sorts of stuff this is musicians can thrive a podcast community for anyone seeking to make money in the music industry Musicians, audio engineers, managers, producers, booking agents, everyone across all niches. Welcome. My name is Gabrielle. I'm a singer-songwriter. These stories are for you. I hope they'll help you find new ways to thrive as a musician. I met R.C. McCree in 2018, March. It was South by Southwest Music Week, and I was super excited because I got asked to play a couple unofficial showcases during Music Week. I had just released two singles off my EP a couple months before. And, you know, when you're first starting out, you don't really know what you're doing. So you promote it on social media with a few posts to your followers if you're trying to do it the organic way. If you're willing to pay the algorithms, then you try and boost a couple posts, but I was just trying to get started with the organic reach to sort of just test the concept of what I was doing. At the same time, I was actively looking for ways to meet other musicians in Austin and learn what kind of community actually existed here for local artists. Most of how I networked with musicians and got to know different people in the Austin music community was I went to a couple open mics, and I found one that was really warm and the music was consistently good and had a great atmosphere, so I just loved being there. And that venue was called House Wine. I met the guy who was curating those showcases through that open mic. I'm not sure how RC met him, but we both ended up being on the same lineup for one of these showcases. 
I first noticed him because he was one of the people in the audience that seemed to enjoy my set the most. And when I heard him play, his voice stuck out. It sounded good, and there was some quality. Just that's something extra that you can't put your finger on. It caught my attention. So I wanted to make sure that I got to meet him after he was done playing. And I was a little nervous, because he was probably older than me, and I didn't really know what I was doing. Again, because even though I had lived in Austin for many years, I hadn't seriously ventured into the local music scene until after I graduated high school. So I just went up to him, and I tried to start a conversation. I was nervous, but he was warm and friendly, and immediately made me feel at ease. So we exchanged contact info, and we kind of fell out of touch over the years. But there's this wonderful thing called social media, and we ended up having a few mutual friends that we were connected with on Instagram. And so, I'm not certain of the details, but early this year, 2020, I started seeing some buzz about R.C. McCree, and he's got this new single out. It's called Ideals. And there's a little video, it just played the hook, and it's a great song. So I immediately wanted to talk to R.C. and catch up, see what had happened since we first met. Partly because the way he made me feel welcome as a new artist made an impression, and I wanted to strengthen our friendship. Also, partly so I could record the conversation and share it with you guys. So here's that interview. And if you keep an ear out, or an ear open, for the dynamics of different music scenes in Austin and how they're warm and inviting for new people, we're going to talk about that later in this episode. And that's an important thing to seek out in Austin. Or if you don't live in Austin, your local area. Seek out places that are inviting and where people are friendly. Because a rising tide lifts all ships. But if we're going to work together to make that happen, we need to know who the others are. We need to like each other so we can get along. And we need to make space for newcomers to feel welcome and heard so we can all share our music and make money. That's a cool combination, though. I had mm-hmm. a boy in, I think, my eighth grade class introduce mm-hmm. me to Fallout Boy for the first time, and that was mm. that was a good experience. I'm glad, because I never would have, like, sought out that band on my own. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing... Um, and, and that actually also eighth grade, a girl had, um, this is when Mr. Brightside like first came out. This girl had, uh, the killers had a, a t-shirt. And at the time, for some reason, I didn't know you could get like band merch like that, where it like had like the band name and, and stuff. And I was like, man, I gotta get a band, you know, t-shirt. And so, um, yeah, that my first band to see was a was the Fallout Boy from Under the Cork Tree. From there, I like listened to you know Take This to Your Grave and Evening Out with Your Girlfriend and like those albums. But yeah, I just I, I remember that you brought up eighth grade, and that's that's it. automatically what I started thinking about was that Killers T-shirt that I saw. It's a pretty pivotal time when you're discovering music and things are making an impression, especially if you're someone who likes to look into lyrics and break them down. Mm-hmm. Starting around eighth grade was really when I was putting 
a lot of energy into that and it's just carried on ever since. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I always admire lyricism. Like any, anybody who, who has thought provoking type things, like even if they're ambiguous, I, I just, I, I can't get enough of it. I have to, I have to dive into the lyrics. I have to figure out what they mean, what it meant to them at that time. I'll even go so far as to like email like the people that wrote those lyrics. Like there's uh, AJ Perdomo of The Dangerous Summer. He's got this, he wrote this song called Parachute. And I desperately needed to know what that song was about. So I, I actually emailed him because his email was up on his Twitter account. Um, and he actually emailed me back, but he never gave me the actual meaning of the lyrics. Um, yeah, he never, he never did. He's like, I don't want to ruin your interpretation of it. And what a cool experience though. I know. Right. Like it is, it it really is. And it got even cooler because like January 26th of 2018, they came to Austin. The Dangerous Summer came to Austin. They were broken up for like five years and uh, they got back together, came to Austin on tour. It was back when... Oh, Sidewinder, that place Sidewinder. It used to be called Red Eyed Fly, but then it changed to Sidewinder. You know, they were still in business. I don't think they are anymore. But he was just chilling in the parking lot on his phone. And I went to that show. And before we got into the show, I saw him in the parking lot. And I was like, "Ah, I don't want to be that guy that goes up to him. You know, you don't want you never want to be that person. Um, but then you went up, right? But then I did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then I was like, screw it. I'm going to be that person. There's no telling when I'll be able to do this again. You know, this is a, this is a, a, a very influential person in my life, especially in high school. You know, when my, when my grandmother passed away, they, they actually had a, a song called the permanent rain that just kind of like helped me cope with the experience of just complete, you know, loss so I went up to him in person and I asked him, I was like, hey, man, so what does that song Parachute mean? And he's like, oh, man, you're the guy that emailed me. <laughs> and so it's just kind of funny that, uh, that he remembered me that way. And he still didn't tell me. He's like, he's like, no, like it's your interpretation. And at the time, I didn't really understand it. Uh, but I do now, you know, I do understand it because the, the more I write, the more I'm like, I don't want to ruin anybody's interpretation of this because whatever they take from it, I mean, that's, that's real. You know, that's, that's absolutely mm-hmm. real. And they're not, they're not um, untrue and how they're, and how they're feeling or how they perceive the lyrics to be. However, they interpret those lyrics, like that's true to their, their situation and everything like that. And I think music is, is always changing its meaning as we kind of, you know, grow and our lives change, the the music changes too. So, and I realize like once you kind of like make that song and you release that song, it's not really your song anymore. It's, it's the, it's the person that, that uh, takes a hold of that song and puts their own history, you know, behind it, their own meaning behind it. And so I think that's really, beautiful but i mean even now i'm still like dang i really wish i knew what parachute was about but <laughs> but you know it, it is what it is so like i i respect it and i appreciate the the lesson in music that he gave me that he probably doesn't know that he gave me what an incredible exchange that sounds mm-hmm. like one of the most 
valuable moments you could have had with music. Mm. Oh, oh, absolutely. With without a doubt. Without a doubt. I feel like I'd be writing different music had I not had that that exchange. So listening to lyrics and thinking about what was behind them, is that what initially sucked you into making music of your own? Not really, actually. It's it's kind of a funny story. It, and it's it, it's kind of a, well, I guess it's not necessarily like a funny story. It's probably a disappointing story of how I started making music. Not, Either way, yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, it, like it is and it isn't. So I originally started making music be- because of my, my love for Fall Out Boy. I had this... Um, this uh, really good friend of mine in in eighth grade who started learning how to play guitar. He started learning how to play guitar. And I think I have like an old video of me singing in the eighth grade, which is just complete. Uh, it's so bad. It's, it's <laughs> so monotone. I mean, it's really, it's really bad. Like looking back at it, you'd be like, this guy's not growing up to sing. Um, and yet here we are. Yet here we are. Here we are. Uh, yeah. So he was. We were both really obsessed with Fall Out Boy. I mean, he got like the first electric guitar that he got was the same exact guitar that Patrick Stump had in the Sugar We're Going Down video. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and me and this guy were like uh, really close friends. His his name's Luis Jimenez. Hopefully, he um, once I broadcast that, I was on this this podcast. Hopefully he goes and listens to it because he, he actually lives in Austin, which is hilarious. Oh, that's cool. I know. Yeah. I'm like, we'll wow, just send what, him what the link. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I'll be like, bro, I, I mentioned your name. I gave you a little shout out. <laughs> but yeah, Lewis Jimenez, we were, we were really close friends. So close that we bought the same pair of bands. So like, like, uh, like the shoes mm-hmm. um, with the same like designs and stuff like that. And uh, he was like, man, like, let's start a band. And I was like, all right, well, let's, you know, let's do it. And that carried into high school. And we never actually really started a band. We can never get people together at the same time to start a band. But one way or another, like, we decided that that I was the the singer. But, yeah, so we, we kind of, like, started the band. And it was all right. And I think I was learning more about about writing at that time about like writing lyrics and stuff like that. Cause I was like, well, we, we have to have, <laughs> we have to have our own songs. We can't just sit here and cover fallout boy songs. Cause it feels a little empty. So yeah. So I kind of started writing songs, but it wasn't until I picked up a guitar until I, I picked up the acoustic guitar and started learning and writing my own that I, that really kind of got me into music. That really got me like, dang, like I can, you know, this is cool because I, I have a way of, of kind of, I have like this outlet, you know, there's, there's a lot of things going on in my life that I can't talk about because I'm afraid that people are going to think it's like stupid because I'm only like 14 and, you know, and I'm thinking these problems are so big and I'm sure they don't you know, agree that they're so big, but you know, they're big to me. So that, that kind of drew me into music. But what's kind of funny that now that I'm thinking about it is that I, I had been writing songs for ever. I mean, they weren't like any serious songs. I never thought they, they could go anywhere. 
like fifth grade, I wrote a song about pinto beans. And yeah, I know. I just wanted an A. Like, yeah, it's it's uh, absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, um, but, valuable you know, practice, right? Yeah, exactly. No, I know. Like, you know, I started early um, <laughs> with writing songs, but as far as like really, you know, writing songs and finding that outlet, that I mean, that didn't really happen until I was probably a freshman um in high school or maybe a sophomore i think i was 16 when it when it really started started kicking in Mm. so how much longer did it take for you to realize that you wanted to build a career as a musician it did not take long at all yeah i think i think the minute that i started doing it the minute like when i was 16 that is when I was like, yo, this is what I want to do. Like this, this is cool. Like I, like I have these problems that I can actually talk about through music. It's kind of disappointing in a way, because as you get older, like sometimes um, you kind of lose things. Like, so I, I feel like I've right now, I'm kind of like having trouble with, with the whole vulnerability thing, you know? So I'm trying to, I'm trying to get back into, into being vulnerable. I think I'll probably create a lot more music once once I, I get past that little robot block. But yeah, definitely. I mean, like it started at a young age. Like I just, I was like, this is, this is cool. This is something like I can actually connect with people through. And I never put it down. Even if I try to put it down, cause I, I I've tried to put it down <laughs> before I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's just not happening. You know, like maybe this isn't, I just can't, like I always go back to it, you know, no matter like how long I leave it alone. I just go back to it. And a new song comes. And then a new song comes. Yeah. Like new, <laughs> new things happen. Yeah. I go out, I experience life a little bit. Um, I experience certain things and then I'm like, ah, I got to write a song. <laughs> I got to write a song about this. I got this melody in my head. I got to, I got to put it down. Mm-hmm. I resonate with that a lot. I've actually had a very similar experience. As far as your regularly scheduled things outside of the corona pandemic, <laughs> yeah, what percentage of your income does come from music and how big of a part is playing shows in that? At the moment, not a lot. I had some gigs lined up because uh, I haven't played gigs in a while. I've, uh, I've been really focused on you know, getting things recorded and getting things onto, you know, uh, uh, the music streaming platforms and everything like that, getting things in, in tangible form. So that way, when I do play shows, you know, people can actually go listen to things rather than, oh, hey, yeah, thanks for coming to the show. Just, you know, make my next one if you want to hear anything again. Yeah, so uh, not a lot of my income is it has been based, um, or, or as far as like percentage, um, probably not even ten percent would be from from music. I I rely heavily on my on my job right now, especially with recording because I mean this is not you know a cheap gig whatsoever. Uh, you know, making music and content is it's pretty expensive. I've been spending more money on music than I've been making from it, uh, which is not a huge problem because 
you know, of course, as you know, like it's not about making the money from music. It's about just, you know, having that outlet and that connection with people through, you know, your art and everything like that. So, yeah, I would say as far as like income, not a lot. I haven't, I haven't gotten hit too heavy uh, uh, with this whole Corona pandemic thing going on. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're just at the point where you've had enough practice playing shows that it's time to invest in your music so that Mm -hmm. you can get more profitable shows and have people listen to your recorded music outside of those shows. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And as you know, because when when you saw me, I was on the acoustic guitar and now I'm kind of like branching off and to doing other kind of things as far as like genre goes. So getting that out there, because I'd really like to play a show where I, I don't really necessarily have to have the acoustic guitar. I got spoiled when I was in a band because I didn't have to play an instrument or anything like that. I, you know, I got to rely on the other guys in the band and I could just like move around on stage and pretty much do do whatever I wanted. And uh, that's, I miss that a lot. And and so I I really want uh, a show where I can just, I can just do that, be kind of like free of, uh, of an instrument and just move around with the mic and yeah, do whatever I want pretty much. Yeah, that sounds really fun. Mm-hmm. Do you find that it's easier to engage the audience when you're not playing an instrument? For me personally, absolutely. It's definitely easier for me to engage just because I don't have to really rely on remembering chords mm-hmm. um, or anything like that. I can just think about focusing on singing or whatever and not forgetting the words. But I also feel like it's it's kind of easier to uh, reciprocate like a, a high energy feel when you're not kind of like held down by an acoustic guitar necessarily. Now, if you're like, if you're on electric, I, then I'm like, okay, yeah, like that makes like so much sense. You know, somebody's like busting out a, a solo or something, you know, that's, that's pretty high energy. But yeah, it's definitely easier for me to engage um, without having the acoustic guitar, you know, because you can just, I mean, you can talk in the middle of songs, you can kind of change the way that you sing them, you know, kind of thing. And you can kind of focus more on that kind of stuff when you're not thinking about what, what chords you're playing or anything like that. I can see how that would make a big difference. Have you found that having your day job take off the pressures of just day-to-day survival, has that sort of created more space in your brain, but also just like your energy levels for creating music? You know what's funny is like, man, I hope nobody from Apple like listens to this because I'm about to drop some stuff right now but it's nice at first but it's kind of like a call center atmosphere and like money's great and all but as a creative I just don't think that you know like it's like all right cool like all the bills are paid for but that like nine to to five you know, job experience in a call center where you're not really 
seeing the outside world and you're not really getting a lot of experience in the outside world. It's just, you're just kind of sitting there in a cubicle. It's, it can be, it can be grueling for your mental health a bit because, you know, it's hard because it, because you're trying to follow these uh, rules and you're trying to meet deadlines and stuff like that. So though the money situation is taken care of, which is great, there's always pros and cons to everything. Sometimes you're kind of thinking, man, <laughs> maybe I would feel better and possibly do better if, if I just went to something where I'm not making as much money and I'm, you know, I'm able to kind of like experience the outside world rather than being kind of like sheltered in this, you know, this boxed in cubicle that I kind of feel trapped in. But I mean, I'm still, I'm very, very grateful for my job. Don't uh, get me wrong there. I'm very grateful to to have a job and I'm grateful that they gave me the job at the time that they did because I desperately needed it. But yeah, I mean, it is nice to have like the bills paid for, but it does, it, it's mentally, it's it's very energy consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I can so, understand that. Yes, I think just being around other creatives, um, for the most part, like if you're like leaving, you know, after work or whatever, you go be around somebody who's, you know, musically inclined or or somebody who's not doing music at all. They're just doing something different, you know, like maybe they want to be an actor or something like that. Just like-minded individuals. I think that's what brings the energy levels back up as far as like creating things because, when you're around a creative environment, it, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to not want to create something. You're like, Oh my, I, I gotta get my hands on something. I gotta create something, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah. But like uh, having the bills paid for is nice though. <laughs> <laughs> most definitely. Mm-hmm. I asked because I had a slightly similar experience where I was working as a server and starting to play gigs and get paid for gigs, but the income was so inconsistent that I found I had a lot of stress and anxiety about just basic survival. Mm-hmm. And then once I I found the day job I'm at now, for me as a marketer, I do still get a creative outlet in my work. And so I've found that it's helped me be a stronger creator overall. Mm -hmm. But I can see how if you're in a cubicle, that would really, (laughs) really be draining. Yeah. I mean, I think it's kind of like dependent on the the job itself. You know, I definitely think there's, there's like full-time jobs that can take care of the bills, but, but also inspire some creativity if, if like the job is allowing you to be creative, um, Mm -hmm. most definitely. But yeah, I think just, and and it might just honestly be different for every individual because I know for me, it's like, I, as far as like creating things, like I, I almost have to experience something, you know, I have to experience, it's hard for me to write about an experience that I've never actually experienced. Like I wrote, uh, well, I helped my buddy. I say I helped him. I kind of, I kind of wrote it, but, 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 you know, <laughs> uh, we, we kind of wrote it together. 
a song for his uh, wife that he wanted me to play it at his wedding. And at the time, like I was like, that, that was when I was like going through my breakup and everything like that. So I was not experiencing like love of any sort. Like I was just like, bro, what did this like in love thing? Like, I, I don't know how to write about it because I'm not like experiencing it. We eventually, you know, got through it. Uh, I eventually wrote it. But yeah, so like as far as like the job thing goes, I think at least for me as an individual, it's just, I'm not really experiencing much, you know. Um, I could write a song about being trapped in a cubicle maybe, but <laughs> uh, but I doubt anybody would want to listen to that. And I mean, I sure as heck wouldn't want to listen to that. And when I write music, I want to write music that that I like to listen to because that way I know it's like, it's true. You know, like it's, it's like, all right, cool. Like I, if I like this, you know, then it's true. And that's all that really matters is that, that's that's pure and genuine so i think it just it varies from individual to individual Mm -hmm. absolutely we've made it about halfway through the show and we're going to have a quick pause ads are irritating distractions so they'll never be a part of the musicians can thrive podcast thank you for listening to make sure you get new episodes as soon as i release them Subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'm so glad I get the honor of sharing these musicians' stories, and it would mean a lot if you would be willing to help me share them. Spotify has this awesome feature where you can share podcast episodes directly to Instagram stories. So if you're willing, tell your followers about your favorite episode. Last thing. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a quick review helps other musicians learn about Musicians Can Thrive. I appreciate your support. Back to the show. So in your ideal world as a musician, mm-hmm. what would your life look like? What would my life look like? It would and probably what look... would your income sources be? Oh, my income sources? Uh, oh, man. Yeah. So well, both of those things. Yes. No, Absolutely. Well, to some of my friends, like, it, no surprise. I would be signed to Dirty Hit Records, without a doubt. Going on tours with bands like the 1975 and Pale Waves and No Rome, even Caleb Steph. And I would be living in Germany. I'd be living in probably, like, Munich, Germany. Is And as far as, like, income... Ideally, it would come. It, it would come solely from from playing, you know, shows and you know, selling merch and all the things that come with, like you know, royalties from things being played. But yeah, I think like in an ideal world, that's that's probably what it would look at look like. I'd just be you know playing sold out shows with the nineteen seventy five being signed to Dirty Hit Records, being based out of Munich, Germany, and all my income coming from from shows and selling music and selling merch. Sounds like a great life. Oh yeah, I know it does. I'm just <laughs> striving for it. So yeah. So I noticed that you've done some collaborations with a couple of different artists around mm-hmm. Austin. 
Is mm-hmm. that one of the ways that you're helping to build your audience right now as you build up your own solo catalog? Oh, that's a that's a good question. Because I never really think about it's kind of funny. I, I don't really think about necessarily building my audience. Um Cause, uh, which it, this is not like a good mind frame whatsoever. I'm just like, ah, like, you know, the, the people that listen to this probably won't really listen to my music, you know, because <laughs> I feel like it's just kind of out there, you know, I'm just diving into different things as far as music goes. So I'm just like, ah, you know, it, it might not be everybody's, you know, cup of tea, but um yeah, so I don't really think about it as necessarily like building an audience. I look at it as like this opportunity that I've wanted. So I've always wanted to be like the hook on a rap song. Like that has been like a huge, like just like a huge dream of mine for some reason. But I have like these crazy weird dreams that I want to achieve. Being the hook on a rap song is definitely not one of the craziest dreams that I have. But yeah, so, and, and I was able to do that with a song, Somebody Like Me. Do you want to ride with somebody like me? Do you want to, do you want to, do you want to vibe with somebody like me? Do you want to, do you want to, cause baby we could do this, yeah. oh, baby we could do it, yeah. don't matter to me, cause baby we can't do it anywhere. Love me, love me now, baby. Let me take your mind and I promise I'll drive you crazy. But in a good way, though, it's been a long time, though. It's been a long time since my last relationship, yeah. But somehow I got experience on how to treat you. I can pick you apart. Look, come a little closer. Let me tell you something. Do this every day. I'm here, I'm here to stay. Each Jay Signs asked me to sing the chorus and then and then also you know, sing some other stuff on that. So that that was you know really awesome. And then MC Righteous was actually the, the first one to reach out to me and ask me to to collaborate with him. But I, I'm mainly collaborating with them because I'm just I'm genuinely a fan of these artists. I am just I'm a fan and it, and it's like this awesome like privilege and opportunity to to work with them and to see their work ethic like how they how, how they do things and stuff like that um like I'm a huge kaleidoscopes fan mm-hmm. um and I desperately want to be on a kaleidoscopes song <laughs> um beca- because I'm a fan one of the ladies in Kaleidoscopes, I will be on one of their songs. I don't know if I'm allowed to say or not right now because I'm just not, I don't know how that works or how they do that stuff. <laughs> no um, worries. The listeners yeah. will just have to pay very close attention. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm just going to say it's one of them and I'm going to be on their song. But yeah, no, I'm just, um, anybody that I usually collaborate with, it's it's more like I'm just a fan. You know, I'm not really thinking about an you know, building an audience, but I think building an audience from that as well is, I mean, I mean, it's, it's good. It's good to do that as well. Cause I, you know, you want your music to reach as many people as possible. Cause if, if, you know, if one of my songs can, can just move someone, you know, like whether it be like from the entire song or just like a lyric in the song or something like that, like if it just kind of helps 
them with whatever they're going through. I think that is like the, the overall goal. So, so as far as collaboration in short, which I know all my answers are like super long and drawn out because that's just the way I am. <laughs> like, I just like to go into like further explanation. I'm like my mother in that way. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, she'll, she'll go on. I love her. <laughs> she will go on, and, but I'm the same exact way. So in short, I'm collaborating because I'm genuinely a fan and I'm honored by it. Building the audience is is also a great thing, but it, I don't think it was ever really my my main focus as far as uh, collaborations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's understandable. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's fun to just create great music. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then eventually, if the songs get enough streams, you get some royalty income from that, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's where some of that income comes from. That the point zero seven cents of income. <laughs> that you get from DistroKid or or whatever you know whatever you're using whether it, uh, was it CD Baby or Tune you know Core. whatever aggregator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you found that moving more into? Because I, I noticed that that single you put out was it last year already? Mm-mm. This year. Uh, no, yeah, it was it was the beginning of this year. It was January second of this year. I know coronavirus has got us like, just like, oh man, it's like let twenty twenty be over already. I'm like it was ages ago. Right. But it was oh, only God. January. I know, and I it, it's kind of funny because I feel I feel that way as well about it. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I literally just released this song, and this whole coronavirus thing hit, and it just feels like. I haven't released a song because I was actually planning to release another song mid March, but, but with Corona, it, it's just, I don't know. The music industry is like weird right now as far as with the coronavirus, but um, yeah. I don't still, see any reason not to release it. Yeah, no, I mean like it's getting mixed and mastered um, right now. I've just been like kind of like taking my time with it, I guess. So it's, it's getting mixed and mastered and I'll probably release it by the end of, april or maybe the beginning of may mm. um but yeah but i was just like oh, okay freaking coronavirus gonna come in here but <laughs> but at the same time i i can't complain you know like i i shouldn't complain of these like first world problems i gotta take a step back and and appreciate the fact that i'm healthy in these times so yeah no the i, re- I released it i released it january 2nd all right well, mm-hmm. I look forward to hearing that new song mm-hmm. and sharing it with all the people that I shared your first song with. Oh, appreciate you. <laughs> Anytime. Mm-hmm. It was a good song. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So circling back to where I was going with this, that song, Ideals, was much more of an R&B vibe than I've ever heard from you, mostly just because I knew you as acoustic pop in the show that we played together. This could be a problem. I question the lid on my side. Been running through my conscience. It's daunting to play the scenes over again. Please just try to stop it. Or tell me what you call you it. Say I won't. Confide in change. You 
Listen, been imitating Denial in a slotted form By writing checks and cutting corners Cutting corners Avoiding pressure, having to relate Cause you know you'll never measure In these times Desire is a go-home Keep on talking at me Though your sentences is drawn off You're drowned out As you've been collaborating more and working more in the R&B and hip hop communities of Austin, have you found that there, well, I guess what I'm getting at is it seems like there's a lot of really beneficial collaboration going on in those communities in Austin in ways that the more indie rock scene does not have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so what has been your experience with that yeah no absolutely when i first got here you know being with the acoustic guitar you know just trying to meet other artists any way i possibly could in my experience it doesn't seem like there's there's a lot of collaboration with with that style i, I totally agree that there does not seem like a lot of collaboration with with the indie rock, you know, genre. But then again, I mean, like, I think just that kind of genre, I don't think really has like a lot of, a lot of collaboration stuff going on in the first place. You don't really hear about, well, I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to mention like any bands or anything like that, but like, you know, this band, you know, featuring this person, you know, even growing up, they never, you know, like, we'll take armor for sleep like they never had like featured anybody you know it wasn't like car underwater featuring tillion from dance gavin dance of course he was not in dance gavin dance at that time but or or you know stuff like that it was very there's very few features but yeah like my experience as far as collaboration so much collaborating in the hip-hop you know r&b industry in austin which is awesome it's it's so awesome because you kind of because you get to see how other people work and you get to kind of like learn from them and stuff like that i mean some of these like jay signs i think it's like 23 or something and i'm almost 28 years old and i am learning (laughs) learning from this guy as far as as far as like what he does in music and stuff like that you know, because like, that's like, that's the beauty of the collaboration. It's just like this, like learning experience and you get to see what they're, you kind of get to vibe off, you know, what they're putting down. I think me and Jay signs actually like really vibe well as far as, you know, music goes, but yeah. And so, you know, I'm learning from him, but yeah, like the, the collaboration as far as like hip hop and R and B is, 
is huge. And it, I also feel like it's a, it's a bit more welcoming. You know, it's like, it's like people want to, to collaborate. So like I, I live with MC Righteous and he's a, you know, guru in, in like producing and, and everything like that. So, you know, he constantly has artists over and sometimes these artists are like, man, I need somebody to sing on this, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And because I live with them, he's like, oh, well, like we can see if, you know, RC will, will sing on it. <laughs> and so, you know, so some songs like I've, you know, they, they haven't been released yet, but you know, I'm on pretty much because, well, because I'm a fan of them, but, but also because I was just there, you know, I was just kind of there and they, you know, and they wanted to collaborate with somebody. Mm. They wanted a singer and they're like, Oh, I like the way this guy sings. So you like end up collaborating with them. And yeah, it's just, it's super warm. It's super welcoming and, and everything like that. You know, it's very much like, Oh yeah, I know. Absolutely. Like, have you ever been to the jam sessions? over at uh Hanover's no okay so like so Hanover started doing this thing before corona hit and it was like these R&B jam sessions but basically what they do is like one band plays for like an hour you know like like an R&B band plays for like an hour but then after that it's like a jam session and anybody can go up there and like sing or do some spoken poetry like whatever they want and it's very welcoming it's very like nobody's judging and it's just like great practice for you know artists of any kind that's what the collaboration is like within the hip-hop and r&b community in austin i feel i'm just so lucky to be a part of it i'm so happy to be a part of it it definitely sounds like an incredible community to be a part of do you find that the collaboration transfers over to shows? Um, like playing shows with people? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, I like um, the one time that I performed at Flamingo Cantina, it was because like MC Righteous was also performing. And he was like, yo, dude, I want to do that song that we're on. Would you be willing to like come up and do it? Yeah, Absolutely. And we just, you know, went up there and had a good time. So it, it definitely like transfers over to, to shows as well. Just knowing people. I've had people reach out to me because some artists, another artist was like, oh, you should go check out RC McCree or go ask him for this gig because he'd be, he'd be good at it. Like that's, I mean, I played at Micheladas pretty much for that reason um, because um, Stephanie or Cadence 12 Productions. But Stephanie's the one that runs that. And she she reached out to me because she reached out to MC Righteous, I believe. And then, you know, MC Righteous knew me because we had our, like, collaboration and stuff like that. And now we're roommates. But but then I got a show from that collaboration. So I, I definitely think it, it transfers over. I think that that whole... Um, you know, just connecting and everything like that and um, networking. It's, uh, yeah, I definitely, definitely believe that it transfers over to shows, um, you know, and it just makes for a good time. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that I would most love to see 
carry over to the indie rock scene in Austin or really just any music scene in Austin because the collaboration that comes with the hip hop and R&B artists here and the way that carries over both to streaming and getting more people to listen to your music and then shows getting more people to come and build that audience in a truly organic way. Mm -hmm. It seems to me one of the most powerful things that you can do right now as a small indie musician is align yourself with people who you trust and like Mm-hmm. And other people can just find the others because they're like, hey, these are our people and whoever they associate with, we're going to check them out. Right. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. No, no, I, absolutely. I, I, I 100% agree. Well, mm-hmm. I look forward to hopefully meeting some of your musician friends once we all get out of quarantine. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, just just come out to a show. There were so many shows lined up. I mean, there were so many shows. I, I, Jay Signs reached out to me and was like, yo, like, let's do uh, somebody like me at this show that I'm going to be performing at. And so, yeah, there, there was a lot. I mean, just so many shows lined up. And then once quarantine, or not quarantine, once Corona hit, it was just like, yep, <laughs> nope, that is out the door, son. You can't be doing that. <laughs> Yeah, completely off the table, but uh, yeah, no, no, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, just come out. You know, more more than welcome, and all those artists that that play at that are like super welcoming and talkative. I don't know if they're as talkative as me because I just never shut up. <laughs> I mean, even the first time we met, we had a quality conversation that made an impression, and we <laughs> fell out of touch. But I remembered you, and I was like, hey. That guy, he sounded good and he sounds good again. So let's talk to him and share his story. I appreciate you. Yeah, yeah, no. He's like, yeah, that guy. I remember (laughs) that guy. Freaking chatterbox, that guy. He never. Interesting chatterbox. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. I mean, I figured if you're going to talk a lot, you got to be interesting at least. Oh, for sure. Otherwise, people get bored. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, that's that's not good for anybody. You're hurting everybody at that point. Mm Mm-hmm. So is there anything else that you would particularly like for musicians to know or remember as they're trying to build their own careers? To know or remember as they're trying to build their own careers. Yeah, absolutely. This is actually something that I thought about while I was on a run during quarantine, because I've been wrestling with the fact that I'm getting older and I know that I'm not that old. (laughs) Like I know, I know I'm young, right? I mean, I'm 27 right now. I'm going to be 28 next month but you know there's no stopping time i i feel like maybe society might look at you know somebody who who does the music like me uh, or, or who who plays music like like i play and think that's a little you know immature for his age but i'm not gonna stop doing it because i guess like the message that i want to send every musician out there is if it ever gets to a point where you feel like, okay, I'm done, you know, this is it. I would just keep going really. Cause the thing is, is that you can put it down whenever you want. You can literally like, if you just decide that you want a different life, you, you don't want to do music anymore, you know, stuff like that you can do that. 
but I mean, you might as well just keep going, you know, since, since you have the option of putting it down, I mean, you might as well just keep going, you know, don't, don't stop. I think that that would be, you know, kind of my message, you know, it's like, what, why stop now if you can just put it down at, at any moment and just start something new, you know, especially if you're like wrestling with, with something like, Oh, I'm not good enough or, you know, I'm too old or stuff like that. Yeah. You can just, you can put it down whenever, but why, <laughs> like, why, why would you, why would you stop now? You know, put it down when you're like 85, even then, <laughs> even then keep going, <laughs> you know? So yeah, I think, you know, if you're moved by it, you know, and you're in, if you're doubting yourself, just remember that, you know, it's never too late to start something new. So, you know, just keep going, just start something new later. But uh, yeah, does that, that's the thought that kind of helped me kind of get past this whole getting older thing. Cause you know, I, especially with hip hop and R and B, I mean, these, these, these individuals are, they're young <laughs> and they're so young. You know, they're like 18 and they're like writing these insane lyrics and stuff like that. They're like, they're super talented, which is really exciting, actually. But, you know, being older, you're like, oh, man, you know, maybe I should maybe I should like step aside and let them kind of come through. But uh, but a rising tide lifts all ships. So it does. So, you know, don't put it down. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I think for sure. Our industry does definitely put this disproportionate pressure on people to be really, really successful at a really young age. Mm-hmm. And at some point, there are plenty of older musicians out there making fantastic music mm-hmm. and plenty of people who their careers didn't really explode in a way that someone would go, wow, they're a quote success. Until right. they were like in their thirties or even forties. So mm-hmm. I definitely would agree with that keep on going mm-hmm. mentality. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Don't stop. Don't stop. Cause you, cause you have the option to stop and yeah, just, and so put it off, <laughs> put, off <laughs> put off stopping. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. So where is the best place for listeners to find you and your music online? You know, any streaming platform, the the cool thing about it is RC McCree. Like there's nobody that has that name. So literally like, even if you put it in Google, I mean, I'm not even like a big deal. It's just, it's just the name, you know, nobody has it. Even if you put it in Google, there's, there's about two things that pop up. It's me and it's this like video game character from, I think the video game is Overwatch. It's like, like some, <laughs> some cowboy named McCree because it's, it's like spelt the same exact way. Yeah. So just really anywhere, even if you put it in Google, you can find it on YouTube, find it. I mean, apparently I'm on, DistroKid tells me I'm on TikTok. I know, I know everybody's doing TikTok nowadays. So if you're really bored in quarantine, don't make a <laughs> yeah. TikTok with the song Ideals. Please, yeah, do it, <laughs> do it. It's a, it's a, it's a vibe, yeah, for sure. But yeah, anywhere that they stream music, I, I'm there. 
and just keep a lookout for 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 the new stuff because it is coming. I promise. I promise. It's it's going. It's on the way. Should they follow you on Instagram to stay caught up on that? Yeah, actually, yeah that that is actually the best place to follow me at. And my Instagram handle is RC McCree ninety two. Uh, so McCree is M C C R E E. Um, but yeah, they can just follow me at that Instagram handle. I'm usually posting stuff. I'm also posting my friends' stuff, and I like to think that my taste in music is pretty refined and you know i feel like i should be an a and r guy to be honest because i just find the best stuff so i'm you know i'm posting their stuff too so you can find them and you can find the entire community and you can become a part of the community you know it's more than just music it's like a whole family Mm -hmm. so um yeah that's that's where they can find me awesome well, thank you so much, RC. It was such a pleasure to finally get to hear all the ins and outs of your journey with music. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, it was a it was a pleasure being on here. Complete honor to even be asked to be um, on the podcast. So I I greatly appreciate that. Well, and, thank you. Um, yeah, and and once this quarantine is over, I'm looking forward to to more face to face interactions and conversations but yeah yeah, yeah, maybe a jam sesh oh definitely a jam well i i figured that was a given but yeah yeah (laughs) um so um yeah no i i greatly appreciate it and i appreciate your time and uh allowing me to be um a part of this podcast well thank you it would be nothing without the stories of all these musicians (laughs) yeah yeah for sure i'm sure you i'm sure you've come across a lot of interesting stories yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been it's been cool. I've even like had a lot of my own assumptions questioned or like it's forced me to question them because I hear someone say something that's like, well, hmm, maybe <laughs> right. I need to rethink that. Right, right. Yeah, or, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or even just like my own little mini identity crisis that I had last year when I was like, well, am I a musician anymore if I'm not <laughs> – trying to make money performing like who who the hell am i what am i doing <laughs> yeah my identity <laughs> is lost yeah yeah no, for sure for sure i think i think we all kind of we can all go through through stuff like that but yeah no i mean it, if it moves you you know it moves you so there's there's no denying that if, if you're creating it there's no denying it exactly so now yeah. i just write and i'll release it and i'll play a show every now and then and we'll take it from there yeah. Boom. That's, I mean, that's, that's all you can do. That's the, that's the, but that's the beauty of it, you know? So, you know, you just write what's true to you and release it and yeah. And just let the listener take it in their hands. Whether you're a musician, a songwriter, producer, maybe you're a manager or you're wanting to start your own label Whatever it is that you're doing while creating a space for yourself in the world of music, at some point we all experience this universal pressure to make it at a young age. Justin Bieber exploded into fame around 13 or 14 years old. Silicon Valley seems to be obsessed with the narrative of the young entrepreneur who either dropped out of school or started a business while still a student, and there are huge amounts of attention given to hitting milestones like 
youngest millionaire or founder of successful business before they're 20, maybe barely 22. It ends up causing a lot of distress for people because that societal pressure can create feelings of anxiety. We feel like we should be hitting certain milestones in our own careers. By the time we're 16, 18, 21, the list goes on. That anxiety can end up becoming a roadblock. It can paralyze us. It can cause feelings of frustration and despair, like I've been doing all this work, but I'm still not seeing the results that I should be seeing by this age. I personally struggle with this a lot. And a lot of my friends, literally around the world that are musicians that I've encountered, they've experienced a similar feeling at least once in their life. So I'm just going to share a personal example because that's what I have the most concrete details on. But when I was 16, I felt really frustrated that partly I didn't know what to do to build momentum towards a career in music, but also that I was spending so much time in a public school system where, you know, at least 40 hours a week, I was spending time on education and not on creating music or meeting other musicians or learning how to sell a product to fans who might be in my audience. And that's not to say that education is not valuable. But it is to say that the anxiety that I felt about not being, quote, successful by 16 years old, or anxiety about not having enough momentum built up so that I can be successful by the time I was 18 or 21, honestly, it's ridiculous. Because when you're 16, 18, a lot of the experiences that you're having are some of your first times experiencing life outside of the mindset of a child. Over and over again, you have different experiences and that shapes who you are. That shapes your ability to create something. It shapes your ability to work with other people or tell stories through your own music. There's a wisdom that comes with learned experiences over time. And now I'm here at 23 doing a podcast that I wanted to start when I was 18. But when I was 18, I didn't have the knowledge or the tools necessary to be able to bring this to its full potential. So I'm just going to leave you here today with compassion. I hope you can be compassionate with yourself. I hope you can give yourself room to grow and to build momentum and to celebrate the small wins for the things that you accomplish along the way. Because in R.C.'s case, he feels afraid that as he gets older, our society may judge him for creating the kind of music that he makes. But he has done wonderful collaborations with talented, successful indie artists in Texas. And he worked with a talented producer on a great new single that he released this year. And he's got a great new song coming out in about a week, July 10th. I think that's valuable momentum. And at the end of the day, becoming a worldwide superstar like Justin Bieber or a notorious startup founder like Mark Zuckerberg doesn't have to be your goal. There is so much more out there in the world available to you. When you are designing a life that you love, 
that you enjoy every single day. And you can have music be a part of that as much or as little as you want. Success is entirely up to you. So go get them. I believe in you.